0: can you see it? Did you
2: know this? The puck comes right to Pedersen who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot. He scores! Moments notice. It
1: Here, like I don't, I don't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks.
2: By, hold my Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow, really? we should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on! I want to fist bump you right now.
1: What our house... Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, no! scores. Hello Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Season capital H, capital S, at Zephyr Epic epic Z-E-P-H-Y-R-Epic.com. Check them out on all platforms, and join them for weekly case breaks on Twitch. My name is David Quadrelli, I am joined as always by the man who built the place, Chris Faber, and we are going to be joined later on, Chris. This is all you're doing by... Top prospect eligible for the 2021 NHL draft, Kent Johnson, North Van Kid, probably going to go in the top 10, maybe top 5 of this
2: draft. Chris, how's it going? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, I can hear uh, your jealousy and your voice that I'm talking to a guy from the Burnaby Winter Club and you're not going to be on the interview for it. That's uh, okay. I'll, I'll
1: let you have this
2: one. If you <laughs> if you interview a Burnaby Winter Club goaltender, then I'll be really jealous. <laughs> no doubt. Hey, uh, before we keep going anywhere, shout out to uh, Zephyr Epic helped me get my hands on some some beautiful cards. You see the picture I posted uh, earlier this week on Twitter. I did. Yes. Oh man, some beautiful a couple of rookie cards for Niels Huglander. And you know I've been investing in the Oliya Levy rookie cards, man. And look at it now. Now that Jordy Ben's been traded. <laughs> Ole Levy stock through the roof, baby You know, I'm buying these cards for like 6 bucks right now Getting Olia Levy rookie cards for like 5 $6 And I'm telling you, to the moon, baby We're going to the moon with Olia Levy
1: <laughs> Well, you know, I think that's a good place to start Let's talk about the trade deadline We haven't recorded since then On Monday, Canucks trade Adam Gaudet for Matthew Highmore They trade Jordy Ben for a 6th round pick And then they do a little swap of picks and get Madison Bowie or Bowie. We don't know yet. We're going to figure it out. I think I'm going with Bowie. But Madison Bowie picked up from Chicago along with Matthew Highmore. Separate deals. But, of course, those are the new players coming to the Canucks. Chris, just your initial thoughts on the Canucks trade deadline moves.
2: Um... Yeah, I mean, I thought they gave up on Adam Gaudet too early still. Um, I I think that was pretty obvious in the emergency episode that we put out. I was pretty heated up all day uh, on Monday when that was going down, and, and I still haven't really calmed down a ton from it. I still think that the Canucks gave up on a guy who still has a lot more potential for, for a guy that looks to be an AHL, NHL tweener. I mean, I talked to some people in Chicago. That's kind of what they said we're going to get here. I mean, this is a guy who... I guess is going to be a better two-way player. That's kind of what a lot of people are saying about Highmore, but I don't want to write the guy off right off the bat, but it's hard for me to to see that there was a lot of potential in Adam Gaudet, and to see a guy come in. Like this, he's going to have to be pretty impressive for me to think that this was a good deal. But I, you know, like I said, and a lot of people have said a similar thing on Twitter. I was, I was in a very similar boat uh, with Tyler Mott, right? I mean, when when Thomas Vanek couldn't get a draft pick and end up being Tyler Mott, I was thinking, wow, that's that's not a great return at all. That's a pretty bad return. I think that was, you know, that was something I was pretty vocal about at the time a couple of years ago. But maybe maybe they see something in Highmore that I just haven't seen yet. Obviously. They, they had their eyes on him. I thought it was pretty interesting. And I asked him this actually in the, in the media availability. I said, like, what's the relationship like with the Canucks? Do you remember them pursuing you, uh, when you were coming out of major junior? And he said, no, he's like, I don't remember talking to them at all or something. And like, you know, that was something that he just mentioned, you know, maybe behind the scenes they were talking to him, but he didn't remember having any conversations with Jim Benning or the Vancouver Canucks. So found that kind of interesting. But obviously Jim Benning liked uh, what he was doing in junior and. Even though it's about, what, four or five years? Yeah, five years later now uh, He he gets his man So uh, we'll have to see what Highmore can come in and do But I just, I find it very tough to think that He's going to make a bigger impact than Adam Gaudette would have made moving forward So... That that was the big trade, right? And then I think the Canucks did a little tidy job trading Jordy Ben. Uh, getting the sixth round pick is always good. Adding picks is great for this Canucks group. I think they've done a good job in late rounds with drafting players and and you know searching for high potential and taking big swings in the fifth, sixth, and seventh round. So I, I like the deal with Jordy Ben and then Madison Bowie. Um, Bowie, I think it's Bowie. I think you're right with Bowie. I think it's Bowie. Um, just you know trading down to to grab him, trading down one draft pick to. To help them in expansion draft is interesting I I just I feel like Tyler Myers should be The guy that gets exposed in the draft Like you have to put out one defenseman for them to pick I just thought it was going to be Tyler Myers But this deal kind of you know, It kind of extends into something that we talked about A few weeks ago where it feels like Jim Benning's going to want to protect Tyler Myers When really you look at the contract And it feels like Tyler Myers should be the guy That's exposed but I think Jim Benning Made this move so that he can expose Madison Bowie and, and keep Tyler Myers protected So I don't know if that's a great move in the end Anyways, because I I really think Tyler Myers should have been exposed in the expansion Draft, and this kind of is the writing on the Wall that that's probably not going to happen now
1: Well, this lets them meet the requirement For defensemen, which they didn't have before Right? And Bowie's also a UFA After this year, so even if Seattle were to Take him, if it works out in the Canucks With the Canucks, then they could Re-sign him if they wanted to uh, But yeah, this helps them meet the uh, Expansion kind of criteria Like they have to have 3D to
2: protect And they, I don't think they did before So now they have that Yeah uh, I guess I mean I feel like you could have just been able to Maybe actually give up some some draft assets To get a player who's been Consistently playing in the NHL But you know what like he he kind of talked about it Like he was he was a great scorer coming out of junior Man like a lot of people in Kelowna loved what they saw From him and I've talked to a few people that have Seen him play live in Kelowna in the junior And you know there's a lot of plus side on him, but he just hasn't really been able to show it at the NHL. The the read that I've gotten from people who have watched him a lot more than I is that he's not great in his own zone and he doesn't create enough offense to be an offensive defenseman. So that's that's a tough spot to be in. But um the Canucks need bodies right now and I'm I'm excited to see what he can bring. Like I, I know that a lot of fans that that liked him at the NHL level loved what he was able to do on the ice and certain things, but just seems like he hasn't really lived up to his draft capital. So we'll see what he can do with the Canucks, he's definitely going to get some ice time as we go through this crazy amount of games in the remainder of the season, but uh, yeah, I, I'm open to see what uh, what Bowie can do for the Canucks, because yeah, they, they really need, you know, all hands on deck moving forward to for the rest of the season here.
1: Yeah, exactly, like, it's a low-risk pickup with, you know, and honestly, he, he can't be that much worse than Jalen Chatfield, right, you know what I mean, and Jalen Chatfield was getting some time in, and it was just, you know, it's a shame because we were hearing all last season or all last offseason, like Jalen Chatfield's going to come in, we think he's going to be a real good player, and then he just played himself out of the lineup, and it's just, you hope that that Bowie can be more than that, right? And I think that's a pretty low bar, but that's kind of where it's at right now, and yep. there's a few things that we kind of need to touch on when it comes to that back end, Chris, because Quinn Hughes, reported by Matt Sikaris, was... Probably the worst Canuck hit by COVID and he was the player that needed the IV treatment. Uh that not only is that a little bit surprising just given his age, but man, like this guy plays like twenty-four plus minutes a night for this club, and they're gonna need him going forward. It's just like I, I don't wanna speculate, but man, you look at Jason Tatum with the Boston Celtics in the NBA, he's saying he needs an inhaler, and he had COVID in January and he mm. takes an inhaler before every game so that he can perform but man that's that's not an easy position for Quinn Hughes to be in
2: no i i would be i would be shocked to see the Canucks come back on Friday with all of their players right like there has to be i would think there has to be a few of them from the regular roster that won't be there right
1: I think I think there's going to be like one or two, but it's not as many as people think. Like people are seeing the COVID list right now and saying, "Oh my gosh, four, only 14 players are available." I don't think it's going to be significant. I think
2: everybody's going to be back in time. Yeah, I think the interesting thing was like I learned from my my girlfriend who's a nurse about the IVs. I, I think I tried to explain this the other week on the show and did an absolutely horrible job of doing this. But you know, to get to the point of needing IVs is because he couldn't keep any liquids or food down. Right? I mean, that's that's a tough spot to be in. And to think that he had to get on IVs, like Quinn Hughes doesn't have a lot of muscle to lose at this point. And if he was at the point where he just couldn't keep down foods or couldn't get liquids into his body and required an IV, that's, that's a really tough spot to be in to think that that that's just in the past two weeks and you're going to get him right back on the ice after going through COVID. That's a lot to ask from him. And you mentioned it. This is a kid who plays 24 minutes a game for the Vancouver Canucks. And, and he's going to be asked to do similar things when he does make his return, just from the way that the league is pushing these guys to get back to it. And, I yeah, I, I don't wanna spend a lot of time talking about COVID. I'd actually like to just move forward and, and see what we can talk about on the ice, but like I I just find it very I don't like I don't even know the word to use, but it's kind of just like appalling that the NHL is trying to get these guys back on the ice this fast while we don't know how their health really is right now. And you mentioned sixteen guys still on the list and yeah, they're about to be taken off likely tomorrow when we see them practice, but I, I just I man, I I get to this point in the season and it's like I I I know that we need Canucks content to talk about on the show and to, to you know to, to write about and everything of our jobs surround this team, but I just I don't think the health of the players is being put at the at the forefront right now, to be hundred percent honest. And it's unfortunate because I man, the games that they're about to play, like it's not like they're just coming back and playing hockey. They're coming back and playing in a condensed schedule that is going to test them so much and I I don't like it. I just, I don't like it. It's just like kind of like a gross feeling covering this team right now, to be honest.
1: Yeah. There's yeah. 19 games and 31 nights. Like let that sink in. That's, that's not easy to do, man. Like this is going to be a grind for these guys. And you know, we're not going to get any crazy quotes from the players. We might from JT Miller, who's talking today (laughs) at two o'clock, but you know, Tanner Pearson met with media yesterday and he was, you know, kept his cards pretty close to his chest and was just saying like yeah it's really tough but uh, it's our situation we got to deal with it and it's like yeah okay that's that's a fair answer but again like I think GT Miller might bring some a little more heat today but we'll we'll see we'll see if they put the muzzle on him or not but I'm I'm sure he's he has some opinions on the uh on the 19 games at 31 nights just knowing him
2: yeah, what did you think about the Canucks and the way that, I mean, a lot of them were talking about it before the like, before COVID hit that, like, you know, playoff push was going to be the thing they were going for. Obviously, players are going to try and win every single game, but it felt like what they did at the deadline kind of, you know, signaled that they were, I mean, I I, w- I don't want to say sellers because, like, they still, I don't think they gained a lot. <laughs> if they were selling, they weren't selling very well, but, like, yeah. it felt like moving Jordy Ben out, uh, moving Adam Godet out for a guy that might work in the future for this team, like... It it felt like they kind of are at the point right now where maybe they just accepted that the schedule is going to be too tough for them to make the playoffs, and I hope that that is like a shift in what the players that we might see moving forward. Like Oliya Levy, like let's let's talk about that because I think that you know I mentioned him off the top of the episode as the stocks through the roof, and and that's because he's going to be a starter now playing with Tyler Myers likely on that third pairing, and I think that's a good spot. I think that's a good spot for both players. Like I really do think that. That yeah, Tyler Myers isn't going to be great in his, in his defensive zone with Ole Levy, but that's where Levy has his strength, right? When he's around the defensive zone and he doesn't have to move as much and defend as many rushes, like that's where Levy plays his best hockey. I think is around the crease and defending guys in the corners and having an active stick and being aware of passing lanes. That's that's Oliya Levy. That's the book on Levy, man. That's what I've seen the past two years in Utica, and and that's what he's done at the NHL level, I think so far. So I I think that that pairing is actually going to be one of the one one of the things that i'm kind of excited for when the Canucks do get back on the ice is watching Ole Levy get back to action and play with Tyler Myers because i think i think both those players benefit from playing with each other.
1: Yeah, i think you're right. And i think it's been a good mentorship from Tyler Myers for Ole Levy and i think they've both talked about it quite a bit how Myers is kind of taking Levy under his wing. Um you know, i know a lot of people are going to say, "Oh, well, I hope he isn't teaching him how to defend," but come on like it's mentorship it <laughs> matters it does matter come on um but I'm curious to see where do you think Madison Bowie slots into this lineup like I think he's the seventh defenseman on this team but we were just talking about how maybe if someone's not ready to go on Friday or even you know even if Travis Hamanick or Tyler Myers or Alex Edler or Nate Schmidt anybody needs a night off Madison Bowie can slot in and oh, I mean yeah that's that's kind of why adding a healthy body who hasn't had covid yet kind of helps you know what i mean like that's mm. that's good for this club because you're you're gearing up for you know, and it's not a playoff push. I'm not. I'm not about to say they're gearing up for a playoff push, and they need the healthy bodies. You're gearing up for 19 games and 31 nights. Those are still National Hockey League games, and they're going to be trying to win those games. So injuries are going to happen. These guys have not skated in two weeks. They're getting over this virus. Injuries are going to happen, and having extra bodies, especially on the back end, really matters for this club right now. That's why I think Bowie's actually going to get in some games. I think if they were healthy and not playing this many games, he wouldn't. But I think we're going to see him get into some games.
2: Yeah, I mean, you got five back-to-backs in the next 30 days. Uh, Once they start on Friday, I mean, you got five back-to-backs to to finish off the season. You're going to see him at some point, right? Like, you're absolutely going to see him at some point. And not to mention, like, we, we talk about these guys recovering from COVID and coming back from it. But just looking at injuries that happen in hockey they really go through the roof when you're playing this many games and this many nights. I mean, it's it's not just just going to be the covid injuries that that keep these guys out of the lineup. It, it's going to be actual just regular hockey injuries I think that are going to happen too. So, no, a lot of players are going to end up getting their looks here. I man, I I don't know what the Canucks need to do to kind of move things around in the taxi squad, but Jack Rathbone should be on the taxi squad pretty soon I mean, the Comets are playing a ton of games uh, But Jack Rathbone should be getting an NHL game at some point this season I think he should be in a handful of them, to be honest
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree with you I absolutely agree 100% And even if, okay Now, this is like obviously worst case Ontario But Quinn Hughes, we we know he was hit hard by COVID We know he's lost weight And is going to be presumably struggling when they come back And you have all these games He's kind of a guy that I've heard people say, I don't know if Jack Rathbone and Quinn Hughes can be on the same Team at the same time Because they're such similar defensemen And personally I don't agree with that at all I think you're allowed to have more than one good defenseman Um, But just in terms of The style they play It's a good opportunity For Rathbone if Hughes Needs a night off, needs a couple nights off To kind of just slot in and Be Quinn Hughes, like He obviously wouldn't quarterback power play one. I think Nate Schmidt would get those duties, but, you know, power play two, he'd get some time on there. He'd still get some big minutes, and really, the games don't really matter. You know what I mean? And you're letting Quinn Hughes kind of get healthy, get back to where he needs to be, put on weight, get healthy again, and you're letting Jack Rathbone get some games in. So I could see that as something the club explores, calling up Rathbone and kind of letting him be Quinn Hughes 2.0, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, I think that, I think there's such a massive difference between getting, you know, getting, say, say Ratham gets three games this year, right? It, it doesn't sound like a lot, and it probably wouldn't be very hard for the Vancouver Canucks to get him into three games, even if it's like, you know, the last week of May, or the last week of the season in May, when they're like, uh, you know, let's just call him up, the Comets don't have playoffs, so there's not really a playoff run for him to go through there, let's just get him up here for the last two weeks, and just get him like three games, I think that getting those three games, or just getting any NHL experience, is only going to benefit him next season when he wants to come in and crack the roster right out of camp. I think that coming in and, and having opening night be your first night in the NHL, a lot of pressure on you, a lot of pressure in training camp. I just think that you're taking away a lot of that pressure if you're just able to get him in for a couple games at the end of this year. And I think this is a spot that Cole Lynn's going to be in this season. This is a spot that Jack Rathbone's going to be in this season. With what Gadjevich is doing down in Utica right now, I think that he might be a guy that should be in the mix as well. Um, so there, there's a lot of things that the Canucks can do for the remainder of the season to really help their young players kind of grow into NHL players and make the transition just a little bit easier. And I, I think the first one has to be Jack Rathbone getting a few games this year.
1: Absolutely. Another guy who needs a few games, Chris, and I think he will get a few games. Michael Di Pietro. and you wrote about him today for Canuck's Army. Um, you know this is a guy that I believe in. I think he's a, he's a good goaltender, needs to get some games in. Needs to get some games in man We've talked about it so much Getting work with Ian Clark is great But nothing is going to happen If you're not practicing those things In game action And applying them in game action That's what Michael DiPietro needs I do think he's going to get it with the NHL club this year I really do Because again it it all goes back to the 19 and 31 nights By the way My take Remember when I gave this take Chris that Thatcher Demko should play every game and Braden Holby should only be playing back to backs. When I made that claim, we were looking at the schedule in the month ahead and we were like, Oh, that's that might that might not age well. Sure enough, Demko plays every single game. Holtby only plays the second half of back to backs. That was the only time Braden Holtby played since I made that claim. So obviously he's gonna play more now, but I am still standing by that claim. That was a good take. That was a good take.
2: Yeah. Uh, you mentioned only back-to-backs as one of your only good takes uh, on goaltenders this year uh, Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're you're bang on, right? Like, you were right, and I think that's what we're going to see for the remainder of the season And you look at it, I mentioned it, there's going to be five back-to-backs for the Canucks in the remainder of the year I just, I find it tough to think that Di Pietro is going to get into one of those, though Like, without an injury to, to Holtby or Demko I just don't think D. Pietro gets into a game this year. I don't think that's in the cards for the Vancouver Canucks. And I, I wrote, like, yeah, I wrote about the prospect report, and I wrote something in there that I was thinking about a lot, and I was like, like, you get to a certain point where you're learning from a goaltender coach so much, right? Like, and you're working with a great one in Ian Clark. Like, it's a great spot for D. Pietro to be in. But, man, there's a certain point where you're learning more about, like, being a goaltender coach than actually being a goalie, I feel like. And I think we're at that point with D. Pietro. Like, how much more... You know, film work can he do to really get better? How many more drills can he run before he's actually just at the point of becoming a better goalie coach for when he retires, right? I think, (laughs) like, you have to put these things into play and see how they work because. Ian Clark, you know, everybody makes mistakes I'm sure Ian Clark makes mistakes when dealing with his goaltenders as well And right now he's not able to find out if all the changes that he's made to DiPietro's game He needs to figure out which ones are mistakes Because, yeah, he's he's the one of the best, if not the best goaltender coach in the world But I bet he would be the first to say that he's made mistakes throughout his career as well And I bet at this point in his life, he's pretty aware of when he goes And he changes something about a game And then he gets into the film and watches exactly, you know, what he wants to see from a goaltender And is like, oh, you know what, we need to tweak that that's a, something that we made a mistake overcompensating for Or something like that Like That's just, you need the game action And I, I'm still at the point right now Where it's like, I'm, I'm still so shocked That, that Pietro isn't down in Utica Right, I mean it, That's the spot where he would be getting into games And I don't think that he's going to I don't, like, I know that you think he's going to get games this year But without an injury I don't think is getting into a game this season for the Canucks
1: I think he does, toward the end of the year If schedule Schedule's still going to suck and the Canucks are eventually going to be eliminated from playoff contention officially. I think he's going to get some games in. I do, and I think I'm going to press the organization on that a little harder than I had in the past. Uh, if he doesn't get games in, because it's just what's your reasoning? Like, I get you're still trying to win, but holy cow, like the the guy needs to play, and he still gives you a chance to win. It's not like it's not like anybody's telling you to put Archer C- Silovs in. There. It's C- Sea It's she loves. Okay, someone Yerky Yerky21 on Twitter. Told me after I said, "Oh, it's Silovs." No, that was just someone that said to me, "Oh, it's Silovs," and then was wrong. Yerki knows it's Shilovs, but I'm still gonna say Silovs. So, it's not like they're asking you to put. Psy- oh my gosh, Silovs, Silovs. They're <laughs> not asking you to put Silovs in that because obviously he's not NHL ready. I've said it numerous times. He still needs a lot of work. But DiPietro's is as close to NHL ready as you can get. So. Get him at least one start. Like let him, let him try, man. Like let, just see what you have in the kid. After over a year, over a year, Chris, where the guy hasn't played. Like get him into a game. It, it has to happen. I, I honestly, I think
2: it will. I think that uh, the best chance, like just from looking at the schedule, I got to hear right in front of me. The best chance would be next Thursday or the Wednesday after that. The Canucks have a four game set against the Ottawa Senators to close out the month of uh, of april with with closing it out on the final or the 29th against the the leafs but you got back to backs on the 21st and 22nd against calgary and then ottawa you know maybe that ottawa makes sense for a Pietro start and then you, when you close out the four game series against the senators it's a back to back where you play in ottawa at 2:30 on wednesday and then on the thursday you end up playing in toronto so there's travel on that back to back not a ton but there still is travel you're gonna end up playing on the Thursday against the Leafs. So I think that, you know, those back to backs at the start and the end of that four game set, that would make the most sense. So I think we could have our answer the next two weeks if we do see DiPietro get into a game.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Is there anything else you want to add before we go to break and then to Kent Johnson? Because I'm trying to, I'm trying to rack my brain. I think I've got one topic that I'll save for the second half of the show after Kent.
2: Yeah, I think that I think that having Cole Lynn here in Vancouver, like he should be in the lineup on Friday you know he's avoided covid completely he's been able to heal that broken bone in his face um that you know the scar is going to still be there for sure he's got a real bad cut uh, but man Cole Lynn should be in the lineup on Friday against the Edmonton Oilers and probably on Saturday against the Toronto Maple Leafs as well just because like i don't think i don't like i'm pretty confident that these Canucks players that are going to be have to you know forced to play on Friday really Like, there's a lot of them that aren't going to be fully healthy. And I think Cole Lynn right now is fully healthy and he's knocking on the door of the NHL. It makes a ton of sense for me to see Cole Lynn in the lineup on Friday. And I think that that should be, that should be happening for sure. He's, he's not had to deal with COVID. He's been away from it the whole time. He's, he's 100% healthy and that, that's a guy that you need in the lineup. And I, I, it makes a lot of sense for him to go in, whether he's playing on the wing or playing at center. Like, Cole Lynn should be in the lineup on Friday, 100%.
1: I think that I think you're right. I think we could see him make his debut on Friday. I absolutely do. We'll see because we're recording a show on Saturday. Well, I guess we'll record it Friday after the game. Should we should we post an episode on Sunday because there's a back to back Friday and Saturday? Should we just post an episode on Sunday instead? Man, I don't know. That'd be the that first time. First time yeah, we yeah that the ain't schedule. Uh,
2: that ain't Canucks convo. You know regularity, but you know with back to backs, yeah. I mean think you have to well, i don't know
1: this this isn't regular anymore the nhl went and changed the schedule we have to change <laughs> our like we have to
2: adapt chris i don't like it i feel dirty i feel like i'm cheating on cheating on someone doing this okay okay let's break. we'll see it is for it's a four o'clock game on on like on saturday so maybe we record right after and we put it out yeah. right after you know okay, then we know so it's still you know, we don't saturday. cheat on our saturday we put it out saturday night we'll we'll see what happens we'll we'll have a discussion off air about this but uh Yeah, why don't you throw the interview? I'm uh, very excited for this one and for people to hear this one. Absolutely. We'll come back on the other side of it, but we are going to throw to you some advertisements
1: and an interview with top prospect Kent Johnson from North Van Burnaby Winter Club. Kent Johnson, keep it locked, keep it loaded on the Canucks
2: conversation. All right. You guys all know about Parallel 49 beer from our commercials here on the show. And now we have a new announcement. Hello, Peach Bod. That's right. It's not all about the Beach Bod this summer. It's all about the Peach Bod this summer. This one's an interesting one, folks. A sparkling peach ale. So you're getting a beer with peach flavor on it, but it's also high in carbonation. It's definitely a different one, and I highly recommend going out there and giving it a try if you're into a peach-flavored beer, and that's something, you know, I'm pretty damn into. I got to get out and try it myself pretty soon here. I will report back on the show about this. Uh, So go out there and try the Peach Bod for yourself from Parallel49Beer. Check them out on Instagram, at Parallel49, as in the numbers, and then Beer, that's Parallel49Beer. And be sure to check out their website for more information about how you can get beer through Uber Eats. That's right, through those food delivery apps. Uber Eats, you can get your delivery from Parallel49Beer. Be sure to check out their website, parallel49brewing.com. That's parallel, the numbers 49brewing.com. The
1: pandemic and a slow economy are making it tough on a lot of people to find steady, good-paying work. But one industry is bucking that trend. Construction companies are hiring and need more workers than ever before. Upload your resume to icba.ca and get noticed. With more than 3,000 employers on our ICBA team, our employment network can connect you to businesses crewing up. For the 2021 construction season Trades jobs that pay well Offer excellent benefits Invest in safety training And give a firm career foundation Check out icba.ca Slash jobs
2: Moving on along We want to throw a big shout out To our friends over at Mike's Hard Lemonade And Neutral Vodka as well Couple of new releases From each of these guys right now Mike's Hard has released The new White Freeze It's here from the 90s To freeze your summer With refreshing cream soda flavor As well as Neutral Vodka launching their new juice line With their regular vodka sodas Now including fruit juice flavors To spice it up a little bit I know I'm into that Because I love my sweeter drinks Uh, So be sure to check out the new Mike's Hard White Freeze as well as The brand new Neutral Juiced series And if you're of legal drinking age head on down To the local BC liquor store and pick yourself Up a six pack of one of these new drinks Alright guys joining us now future draft Pick likely in the top 10 That's the spot where the Vancouver Canucks might be Picking this upcoming draft Joining us now, back home from the University of Michigan, Kent Johnson. Kent, how are you doing today?
0: I'm good. Thanks for having me on.
2: Absolutely, man. Very excited to get you on here. A local Vancouver, uh, Vancouver prospect here, growing up in North Van. So I got to ask first question: Have you been growing up as a Canucks fan throughout your life?
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, you know, I was here for the days so when we had those awesome teams and those cup runs, and uh, you know, big Sedine uh, fans. So yeah, it was uh, pretty awesome growing up back then.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, different times now, but those were some glory days. You must have been, what, 10 years old at the time for the cup runs?
0: Yeah, I think I was around there, and yeah, those are some great memories, so uh, the city was pretty electric back then.
2: Absolutely. So what, were, what was it like for you watching games? Because when, when we were in the cup run, I was about 19 years old, um, but you as a 10-year-old, like, what was it like just watching those playoff runs? What can you remember from those days?
0: Yeah, I just—I mean, I just remember like a lot of city and uh, obviously, and those <laughs> guys were so awesome, and you know, I kind of just like loved that those teams and all the guys Burroughs, BX, uh, and Luongo. Like it was, uh, you know, just idolized all those guys. So it was a uh, some really fun teams to watch for sure, and um, you know, like I went to a couple of those playoff games that Cup run year, and uh, just like really special games. I just remember how electric the barn was and uh yeah just so much fun
2: well, that's awesome to hear man do you have like a favorite memory of attending a Canucks game growing up like was it during that playoff run or do you have like another game in mind that was pretty fun to go to
0: yeah um I like I, if I remember correctly I'm like 99% sure that I was at the game where Burrow scored and you know you think like oh you should be able to remember that pretty easily but like <laughs> it was such a blur so I'm pretty sure I was at the the dragon slayer game when burrow scored
2: that goal no way we must have been in the arena at the same time then if you remember that one that's uh that was quite the moment i mean it's hard to hard to think of a bigger goal in canucks history really yeah I know that was awesome well that's cool here. and then obviously you grew up here playing in the bchl uh, i, I kind of want to just ask about that a little bit because you know the year that you first came into the bchl what was that adjustment like for you coming out of the burnaby winter club
0: yeah, it was a great adjustment. Uh, you know, Coach he did an awesome job with me just making it a really easy adjustment. And, you know, I had some great veteran linemates line mates to start off the year, and Braden Tuck and Levi Glassman. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty smooth. Uh, you know, I think really early on, I was just uh, kind of settling in and getting most of my points on the power play. And then as the year got going, I kind of uh, was able to do it more at even strength. And then the play, the playoffs, I found, like, I was – obviously a totally different player than the start of the year being so young so uh yeah it was just a great rookie year for me and uh had a great great team there
2: it must be pretty cool now to to evolve into a ncaa player and just see like how many guys are coming out of the bchl like what do you have to say about that league and and the players that they're able to develop into ncaa players
0: yeah no for sure like well i was uh you know my brother played in the, the league the three years before me and then i played for two years so kind of just seeing the league for five years and I think it was getting better and better every year. And, uh, you know, obviously like this year has been pretty tough uh, mm-hmm. with COVID and everything. But, uh, yeah, I think the league is definitely on the rise, and uh, it's a great option.
2: And I'm sure coming out of the BCHL you had quite a bit of offers. What kind of made you decide to go with Michigan?
0: Uh, yeah, I just I uh, really love the coaching staff and the hockey history there when they're recruiting me and, uh, you know, like how good the, the school was academics-wise too and the children of Yost and everything. So it was just a, a great fit.
2: Yeah, I feel like if Michigan comes knocking, you don't really say no often. Eh?
0: Yeah, no, for sure. There's a yeah, a lot of great schools out there, but Michigan's definitely right at the top of the list.
2: That's awesome, man. And then uh, you jump into that lineup, and there's you know three what looks like to be top ten draft picks with yourself, uh, Owen. Uh, and Matt as well what's what was that kind of like like it almost felt like I don't know if you're a big basketball fan but it feels like you know these guys that go into into the NCAA in basketball and end up just playing one year and being these super freshmen did you guys kind of get that vibe between the three of you going into this year
0: yeah I mean uh uh, I think you know hockey maybe it's a little different but you know it's different where it's not like you can just carry a team like three guys or anything like it's way more of a, a sport where you need all 20 guys I feel like so Uh, A little bit different, but some of that, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of attention and it was a pretty special group to be around and just like learning from those guys every day in practice. And, you know, like first week on campus, like pretty eye opening how good all these uh, guys were. So, uh, yeah, it it was
2: really cool. Absolutely. What was what was the uh, biggest difference? Do you think going from the BCHL to the NCAA? And I mean, you guys are in the Big Ten division. A lot of a lot of tough opponents in that division as well, uh, or in that conference, I guess you call it. But you know, what was the biggest jump? Do you think in the thing that was most difficult for you going from BCHL to NCAA?
0: Um. Yeah. I mean, I think everything's just a bit better. Like I don't know if there's one thing I can really, mm-hmm. uh, particularly put a spot on. Like obviously the goalies are better and uh, the defense and. And I think, yeah, everything just happens faster. So, you know, obviously there's a, a learning curve that needed to be had for me jumping, jumping leagues. But uh, overall, like, uh it was definitely uh, was a a bit of a smooth transition, I guess. And the BCHL prepared me well for college, I think.
2: Absolutely. It's got to help when you put up four points in your first NCAA game, though, too, eh? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it was a pretty pretty crazy opening night. I mean, definitely got some good bounces, too, to, to get four, but... uh Yeah, I mean, it was a a fun game, and uh, our team was really ready.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, to kind of jump into that first weekend that you have there against the back-to-backs against Arizona State, uh, I guess, you know, getting the four points in the first one's great, and then putting up the goal in your second game, did it just kind of feel like, you know, after putting up five points in your first two games, you're like, wow, I definitely belong here? Did it kind of feel like that after the first weekend?
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't think, uh, you know, whether I got zero points or five, like I knew I kind of belonged just from – you know, practicing for two months, like I knew I was a good player at that level and everything I'd done in the summer, like it wasn't going to be, uh, you know, it wasn't really much of a question to me, but, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely, like I said, I got some good bounces that first weekend and, uh, you know, it was nice to, to get the ball rolling early and, you know, get those off
2: my back early. And I guess just going to Michigan, I mean, we see so many NHLers come out of there and just, you know, the great coaching staff, kind of just the legend of Michigan hockey. What did it kind of feel for you to, to be in that first weekend and be wearing the Michigan jersey? Was it kind of surreal just kind of getting on the ice and seeing what it was all like?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely surreal. Like, uh, even without fans, like just like playing in Yost is, is so special and just knowing all the history and all the great players who have worn the M before you, like, uh, yeah, it's something I definitely desired and uh to live that out uh is pretty cool
2: that's awesome man well us good to hear and i mean the the first kind of big rivalry game from a lot of the guys that i've talked to that went to michigan uh the michigan state game and you come into that one and you put up five points in that game what what was clicking that game for you? It just felt like everything was going in or what
0: yeah i mean again like one of the. i mean obviously like i played really well but again like you know like sometimes when you're getting assists like uh you know, it has a lot to do with other factors outside of how you're playing, like you know whether you pass to a guy, whether he scores or whatnot. So, uh, you know, it obviously like some law of averages that that happened that game. But uh, I mean, I think it was I think it was right after the Christmas break, mm-hmm. if I if I remember correctly. And yep. I think like Christmas breaks are always been good for me to just kind of reset and work on some stuff I want to work on. And I felt like you know I had a lot of jump in my step. So uh, yeah, that was a really fun game.
2: Yeah, and I mean after that Christmas break, you, you kind of touched on it. There was was there certain things you worked on about scoring because it felt like the goals kind of went up after the Christmas break for you. Um.
0: Yeah, I don't know what I, I can't really say anything scoring wise, but I, I worked on like just getting a little faster during the Christmas break. I did a lot of like, I didn't really skate for I think ten days, and I was doing like a lot of a lot of kind of sprints and quick uh, quick feed stuff. So trying to just get faster, and then I think the goals was once. The, You know, like obviously two in the first ten games, I think wasn't really what I was looking for. But they started to go in more after the Christmas break, so that was nice.
2: Yeah, no doubt. And I think one of the things that we hate to do, uh, kind of as like prospect evaluators, is like make a comparable for a player. And I'm I'm just curious: is there a player that you kind of just like try to groom your game around, or or maybe someone you watch growing up, and you're like, I kind of want to play that play style.
0: Yeah, I think uh, not one particular player for sure, but a lot of guys I try to take a lot of stuff from, you know, mm-hmm. like one B. Ederson here in Vancouver, and uh, Patrick Kane, and uh, Mitch Marner I love, a, a lot of great guys in the, in the you, league right now that I try to take stuff from.
2: Yeah, and how do you kind of like find that evolution of players, like what are, what are certain things I guess maybe we could like, you know, use Mitch Marner as an example, what's one of the things in his game that you kind of just say like, wow, I'd like to improve in that when you see a player in the NHL doing things at such a high level?
0: yeah well I think you know Marner might be the best in the league at uh at delays entering the zone and like he's really comfortable in the middle of the ice entering the zone and that's something like I, I really try to do like if I can get the middle of the ice and then delay for my teammates and then dish it like that's something I love watching him do and uh you know like Caner too loves the delays he's he's on the wall a little bit more than Marner maybe when he's doing those but uh yeah those are two big things I, I try to take from them and like Pedersen like trying to work on my shot to be a bit more like him so uh yeah, just a lot of different things
2: yeah absolutely that's that's a good shot to try and copy <laughs> from what we see here in Vancouver um I guess what I wanted to ask was one of the one of the big strengths it looks like in your game has been your skating and it looked like it improved uh, from the BCHL to the NCAA just from watching it some tape on you uh, is that something you kind of focused on as you were making a jump to a more difficult league to play in
0: yeah I think uh like I've always had pretty good edge work and that's something I worked a ton on and uh you know like I'm a skinnier guy right now, and uh, like obviously i'm just trying to get like a lot more power in my legs and i think that'll help me get uh get quicker foot speed because like in a straight line in college at the start of the year like i definitely wasn't one of the faster guys out there so um i want to make sure like that's something next year that that improves even more so yeah i think you can always try to get anyone can try to get more explosive and, and uh, a
2: little bit better foot speed and how helpful are the coaches there at Michigan? I mean, your guy is going to get drafted very high in the NHL draft. Uh, you know, definitely an NHL future for you. What's it? What's it kind of like dealing with the coaches, like to try and get you to the next level there at Michigan?
0: Yeah, I mean they're really great and supportive. Uh, you know, as much as they want to win at Michigan, they want us to develop too. So uh, just finding that balance, and uh, yeah, they do a great job.
2: Well, that's awesome here, and, and I know a lot of Canucks fans will be excited if they see your name pop up being a local guy from Vancouver. So uh, I kind of want to ask, like you know a lot of people listen to this show are from the bc and from vancouver area can you give us your favorite restaurants that you've grown up in the area, and you you hopefully should know some restaurants here
0: yeah i mean i, I think the main ones like just cactus club and like browns are the <laughs> ones i love like uh so yeah i like i mean i also my friends are go to play spike ball in the summer and then we normally go to vera burger after that so so there's some ones we like
2: okay you're keeping it simple you're not going off the board then
0: no, no. Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty mainstream restaurants, I guess.
2: Yeah, I guess. So. Well, that's good. You know, seems like a good hockey answer there. And I mean, you know, moving forward, uh, next year at Michigan seems like it could be a good opportunity for you guys. Did you feel like it was a pretty young team this year? I mean, a lot of the goals came from some pretty young players, whether it was freshmen or sophomore. Do you think that there's a lot of room to grow for this Michigan team?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think uh, that, you know, like when freshmen take the leap to sophomore, I think it's a, you know, you can see how much that helps a lot of the time. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a lot of improvement for our team, uh, you know, like any team. But, uh, yeah, I think the the sky's the limit for our team.
2: And uh, since you're on a Canucks podcast here, I got to ask about uh, your teammate there at Michigan, Jacob Truscott. Uh, Can you give us a, a scouting report on him from a guy who's on the ice with him so much?
0: Yeah, well, I was really happy uh, when the Canucks drafted him. I know he really likes Vancouver and the way they play. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I just think, like, for him, he's a guy that, that you could see his, develop, uh, his development really skyrocket. You know, he loves hockey so much, and he works so hard. And, uh, yeah, he's obviously, you know, got some really good offensive tools. And, uh, you know, I think he, this year he proved that as a freshman he played a really responsible two-way game as well. So, you know, when he gets more opportunity and some power play time and whatnot, like, he can really – have that offensive game too so uh i'm really excited to watch uh his future
2: absolutely and you know a lot of people are very excited about the vancouver canucks future as well with the young core what do you think of some of the young players that are making such a big impact on this vancouver canucks team right now
0: yeah i mean it's just fun to watch really uh like you know the bubble last year was you know kind of the, uh they, they were playing their best hockey and you know like petterson and hughes and Besser and horvat uh, you know, so much fun to watch those guys. So I think definitely the, the future is, uh, is bright.
2: Absolutely. And now after a year of playing NCAA, I mean, in your 18 year old season, before you got drafted, uh, what does it kind of put your mindset into to think about how close you are to being an NHL player? I mean, you're, you're going to get drafted very high in the summer here for sure. Um, do you think that you're close to taking that step to the NHL or are you going to be back for another NCAA season? Do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's something right now I'm like not really trying to think much about. I mean, I could see, you know, either way, there's still a lot I got to work on, uh, you know, that I'm working on every day right now. So uh, a lot of stuff to worry about before making a decision like that, I guess.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And we kind of touched on it that the Canucks are going to be picking pretty high. Being a guy from North Van, uh, you know, if you see Jim Benning walking up to that stand and call your name, what would that feeling kind of feel like for you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I would. Uh... That would, that would be all I could ever dream of as a kid. So, you know, living that out would be uh, pretty insane and, you know, something I almost don't want to get too excited about, I guess, because, you know, if it, if it didn't happen, you know, like, I don't know, it's just so much to think about right now. And, uh you know, I kind of just don't want to get get too invested in that, uh, in that dream right now.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's just you see so many guys from the Toronto area get picked by the Maple Leafs, and it's like a dream come through. It's like, man, we haven't had a lot of Vancouver guys selected by the Canucks recently. It would be uh, be a pretty fun story to see you be the first uh, in a long time here.
0: Yeah, no, for sure.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, just looking back on your season, what were some of the, the moments that stuck out for you in your first year at Michigan that were just kind of things that you're going to hold on to for the rest of your life, do you think?
0: Yeah, I think uh, you know, like our team uh, had some really good big wins, and you know, like one I can think of right now is just a win against Minnesota on the road. Um, that kind of like guaranteed us, I think, getting into the tournament. That was a huge one, and uh, you know, we kind of we kind of rolled Ohio State in the in the first game of the Big Ten playoffs, so that was a big one. And you know, like the lost uh, the last game losing to Minnesota was obviously. Um, you know not that that outcome you'd want but i mean just playing that game and getting that experience for our team i think was huge and um you know just so much fun hockey in the big 10 so uh, so it was awesome
2: yeah i could just imagine like getting you know playing in front of no fans must have been strange if, if you're back at michigan next year uh just from guys that have been there before what have you kind of heard about what the fans are going to be like if you are playing at home in michigan
0: yeah no i've heard it's just insane and uh i've never got to be at a game there but um from videos and whatnot I've seen, like, it's just, there's nothing really else like it. And in college hockey, it's just uh, the atmosphere is something totally different. So, uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully that's something I get to experience or, you know, that would be so much, so much fun.
2: Absolutely. And now that you're in the off season, is there, is there one part of your game that you're wanting to focus on a little bit now that you've seen what NCAA hockey is like?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think one specific part, but uh, definitely a lot of parts. I think some big things are, you know, getting a bit more explosive in my skating, and uh, and then just my one timer too. Like I didn't didn't score any one timer goals this year and uh, I think like with the way the game's played right now in the NHL there's so many one timer goals. So if I can develop a Pedersen like one timer, you know, like that would uh, that would help me out a lot for sure. So I'm gonna work on that a lot.
2: Man, if I had a Patterson one timer, I'd probably be in the NHL too. So <laughs> I think we can all kind of strive for that one. Uh, you mentioned before we started recording this that you're uh, you're during your quarantine now returning to BC. Uh, so what are you keeping busy with, man? Is it just a lot of Netflix? Are you playing some video games? Just hanging out? Like what's what's keeping you busy over the last week or so?
0: Yeah, I mean uh, I've got my school, so uh, that that takes up some hours for sure. And then uh, yeah, I just you know just been hanging out and uh you know shooting pucks and working out so that's been kind of keeping me busy too and then yeah a little bit of a little bit of video games and netflix uh to kind of pass the time in the evening more so
2: okay so i need a recommendation then for people from netflix what's what's kind of a sleeper that people are sleeping on from netflix
0: yeah I mean I wish I could give you one Like I'm not really a sleeper guy I don't really watch so much Netflix That I, I get into sleepers I kind of just watch the mainstream stuff So like the only show I'm watching right now is uh, Suits
2: Okay that's a good one I've heard a lot of people actually recommend that one I haven't checked it out yet mm-hmm. Yeah it's pretty good oh, That's good stuff uh, I guess we'll just kind of get a couple of quick uh, quick questions To kind of wrap this thing up if you're all good with this uh, I just wanted to ask like, What's your favorite comedy of all time for movies?
0: Uh, For movies, uh, yeah, I mean, I love any movie that Will Ferrell's in, basically. But, (laughs) uh, yeah, so anything from him. I I mean, I like Step Brothers a lot.
2: Are you a big quote guy for movies? Like, do you like to drop those in the locker room?
0: Uh, Not really. I don't really remember the quotes too (laughs) too well. I mean, like, obviously, some of the mainstream ones, like, yeah, everyone knows. But uh, I wouldn't be the one dropping the quotes, but I I definitely recognize it and appreciate it if someone else did.
2: (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Scariest movie you've ever seen.
0: Scariest? Uh, I don't know. I don't really watch too many scary movies, but I think the last one I watched was it. So probably that one.
2: Okay, yeah, that's that's too scary for me. So you're above me for sure for a level. Uh, favorite breakfast cereal? If you had to go with a sweet one.
0: Uh yeah. I mean, I haven't I haven't had cereal in so long. But <laughs> like when I was younger, and we'd go to like hotels, like it's probably the only time I'd get to have like the really sugary ones. So like Fruit Loops, I really liked.
2: Okay. That's, yeah, that's that's a pretty good one. That's not a bad one. I think we had uh, we had Jacob on the show, uh, I mean, before the season started, and we kind of got him under Reese's Puffs, I think. like I feel like that was a conversation that we had with him. Uh, I, I guess the final thing I just kind of wanted to wrap up with you, Kent, was, uh, you know, first of all, appreciate you jumping on the show and, and wish you best of luck in the NHL draft in the off season here. I mean, now that you've kind of gotten to this point in your career, being 18 years old and getting to the draft, like – does it just feel like you're almost just in a waiting game right now? I mean, you're not going to be playing any more hockey. You've kind of done all you can do. Uh, are you just kind of in a, in a weird state right now, just waiting to see who kind of picks you at the NHL draft? Uh, I think
0: I don't really see it that way. Like, I mean, obviously, yeah, like, part of me wishes the draft was tomorrow, and I'm pretty <laughs> curious to see what, what happens, I guess. But, uh, you know, like, there's a lot of life to live for me and uh, a lot I can do, so I don't really – think i've fallen victim to hockey so much that i'm i'm just waiting around and doing nothing with my life until then i guess so mm-hmm. um, just finding a way to to just enjoy it and uh you know get better at a lot of different stuff
2: well that's awesome man that's that's really good to hear and you know it sounds like you're keeping busy off the ice and hopefully get you out of quarantine here pretty soon so maybe you can get outside and enjoy a little bit of this beautiful weather we've been having lately
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I might have to get in the backyard here. It's pretty nice today.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Kent, appreciate you doing this. Uh, I hope your name's up there when the Canucks walk up there and make their selection. Uh, It'd be pretty awesome to get a local guy uh, selected for this team. So appreciate you taking the time, uh, and best of luck moving into the draft and whatever comes in the future for you, man. Thanks for taking some time. Yeah, thanks so much, Chris.
1: All right, and a massive thank you to Kent Johnson and, of course, all of our sponsors on the Canucks Conversation podcast. Chris, I wanted to talk to you about... One interesting quote that was said on the People's show on Sportsnet 650 by Elliot Friedman yesterday, actually, hinted that he thinks Jim Benning's coming back. And he's always thought that Jim Benning's coming back. And he also said that the Canucks aren't looking to spend big on a coach or a GM, meaning the writing's on the wall. Like, like Travis Green's gone after this year because he's due for a big pay raise and he's going to get it
2: somewhere. Yeah, and I mean, what does that mean for the Vancouver Canucks moving forward, right? I mean, this is the guy who's who's developed some of these young players and NHL players right off the bat. He's put them into roles where they can have success, and man, it's it seems backwards to uh, to keep Jim Benning and let Tra- Travis Green walk. But you know, I think the day the days go by, and I think we get closer and closer to to realizing that you know, if there's no extension for Travis Green and Ian Clark, I think this team takes a huge drop. Uh, honestly, just from what you're going to see on the ice I think it's going to be pretty hard to fill What Travis Green has been able to do with this Canucks team We know what kind of media pressure There is here in Vancouver That's a tough thing for a coach to deal with And I think Travis has done a pretty good job of it uh, In his time as the Canucks GM, or, uh, head coach But yeah, to hear that Jim Benning's Is going to be back next year I don't think that makes a lot of Canucks fans happy Because it felt like it felt like this is going to be the final year Right? Like, you know, one way or another It felt like this was going to be the last time We had Jim Benning as a general manager But Elliot Friedman talks to a lot of people. He also he also backs up Jim Benning pretty hard. I think a lot of Elliot's information that we hear might be coming from Benning, right? Like I feel like he, he might be talking to Jim Benning. I mean, the way that he talks about Jim Benning and the situation in Vancouver, with the general manager, whether it's on Hockey Night in Canada or on Thirty One Thoughts or, or even just you know on Twitter, I I don't know. I feel like his source in Vancouver might be like Jim Benning or, or someone very very close to Jim Benning who he tries to put a pretty positive light on, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be blown away to see Jim Benning back next year, but I, I still find it tough to, you know, if this wasn't a COVID year, I think Jim Benning's gone, but because of this, I think it, it might extend him for another year to see what he can do in Vancouver and to think that we're going to go into free agency again with Jim Benning and Jim Benning's going to be the one signing these contracts for Elias Petterson and Quinn Hughes, like, I don't like that that much for the Vancouver Canucks moving forward. And to to compound that with potentially losing Travis Green and and likely losing Ian Clark, that's not a big win for the organization for me. But it is also a way for Francesco Aquilini to save some money, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, The one thing I want to add is if there's one thing that Benning's done pretty well, other than drafting or whatever and would, you know, Sham Sharon, that's all I'll say on that. But, um... The one thing that I that I think he can be credited for is these deals he signed Bo to Brock and you know the the players that he should be giving money to. Right. He's pretty good at lowballing them. It seems like so, um, like you know everything has to get approved by ownership right now, right? And with those deals, I feel like. They're obviously going to be bridge deals because the Canucks aren't. They're just, it's just not going to be long term. They think they can get it done in the thirteen to fifteen million range. I don't hate that. Like, I, it'd be great to get them signed long term, but it's just not the reality of it. And I mean, the players probably don't want to sign long term anyway, given how there's going to be such a salary cap increase in the next probably four years. You know they they probably don't want to sign on for too long term they probably are going to be looking for that bridge deal so I think they're both going to get three year deals but that's just my opinion I'm not reporting that from anything um, But yeah I don't know Chris it's just yeah I don't know I saw one person float out the idea and it actually made me think of somebody that could get hired because they're not looking to spend a lot of money is Mike Babcock because Babcock's volunteering at the University of Saskatchewan right now. And he's still getting paid by the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, you know, fits the old boys club. You know, maybe they bring in Mike Babcock and he's the new coach of the Canucks. Just, again, he, he'd he probably take a discount just coaching coach in the NHL again. And, you know, have one more crack at it. I just, <laughs> like, selfishly. Just imagine us going from interviewing Travis every day on Zoom to all of a sudden having to talk to Mike Babcock every day. Like that'd be that'd be a, that'd be different. That'd be different. And that's all I will say. In case Babcock does get hired here, I don't want him to hold this against me.
2: Well, wherever you saw that take, I hate that. By the way, I, I, that's yeah. that's a horrible idea. You might as well bring in Bill Peters to be the assistant coach while you're at it. Like, <laughs> what that would be one of the worst things you could do for a for a team with a budding young core that. You know, makes so much sense to have a young coach like Travis Green who really is starting to grow into his own and has proven that when you have to step up your coaching level in the playoffs, looks like he did a pretty good job of it in the one time that we've seen Travis Green go on a little bit of a playoff run with this team. So I man, I think Jim Benning wants Travis Green to be his guy, but like you said, it, it feels like not only does Jim Benning have to to ask permission from from Francesco Aquilini to make moves right now, but I just get the sense that Aquilini's, you know, not only just, you know, being asked for approval, but I think he's making some decisions right now. It's it's really hard to not believe that that's what's going on behind the scenes right now with the Canucks, and and to see the not only the moves that have been made, but more the moves that haven't been made. Right, like I feel like a lot of decisions are coming down from the owner right now, and, and that's that's a bad spot to be in, I think, for an NHL organization, and and specifically here in Vancouver. With with a with not only a fan base but a media group that's so dialed into every little tidbit that comes out of new like comes out of the Vancouver Canucks organization and things that are being leaked out of the organization. Like it just feels like feels like there's a bad disconnect right now and I think it starts at the top to be hundred percent honest. And I think that's where some of the decisions are, or non decisions are coming from right now.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Well, I think we can close out this episode now, Chris. Do you have anything you want to add before we get to the prospects report and close out? Or just go to
2: prospects report? Uh No, let's just dive into it I just, man, I like The thing that I wanted when the Comets were coming back to play Was like, there's a few th- stories that I wanted to see for sure Like, was Coling going to keep playing? Was Rathbone going to continue to have success? Rathbone's continued to have success He's got 8 points in 7 games now for the Comets But, Jonah Gadjevich like Like what more does he have to do to get called up to to the NHL and get a shot He's got 11 goals in 12 games right now He does something that you don't really see on the Vancouver Canucks And that's a guy who dominates the net front presence I mean this is a guy who can can probably hop right into an NHL second power play unit As the net front presence Like that's a spot where he'll immediately have success Uh, To see what he can do at 5-on-5 would be interesting Trent Cole kind of mentioned it yesterday that that you know, Jonas right now, like what he's doing on the power play is excellent, and you know, three power play goals definitely says that. But like I said, he's he's got eleven on the season. You know, he's got eight goals at five on five in twelve games for the Yuka Comets. So that's pretty damn impressive for a guy that a lot of people see him scoring these goals right in front of the net. And they're like, oh, you know, it's just because he's on the power play, he's doing a lot of things. But the guy crashes in net so hard, has such a good stick around the crease, and he's scoring at five on five. You know, like he's absolutely scoring at five on five in the AHL, and I know the AHL is a little bit watered down this year for sure. Uh, it was something that Trent talked to me about last week when I interviewed him. Was like, you know, every team's missing basically their first line. Every team's basically missing their top pairing and you know their top goalie as well. But even still, I think, I think Jonah Gadjevich would have had an opportunity to play on the on the Comets' first line and or even in the top six for sure. And the production has been there; it absolutely has been there. And he's got a confidence right now in him that's that's so great to see. Um, and like I said, and I wrote about this earlier in the week when I did the prospect report on Gajovic, like he's just bigger and stronger than everyone in the AHL. Like no one can move him around. The the first goal that he scored. Uh, in last night's game for the Comets Was just like him completely just Backing down basically like you're you're Boxing out in a rebound like that's what he does He does a great job of getting his body into the right Spot but not only his body but like having His stick be in an area where the puck might Rebound to or where he's open for a pass And the Canucks just don't have that in their lineup I think that that Jonah's worked his way On this Comets roster this year To earn a spot to get an NHL shot this year And, and it doesn't have to be a ton Right like it just has to be him sliding into a Fourth line role for the Canucks like I look at Highmore coming in. I, I look at you know Travis Boyd being here, and I look at some of these other players that they've brought in. And to me, I would way rather see Gajevic get a shot than some of these guys, just to see what he looks like at the NHL level. Like there was there was times in yesterday's game where I was watching it, I was like, there there was some get up to to Gajevic's skating, right? Like he he's definitely not like a burner. He's definitely not fast, and and probably still below average speed overall, in general at the NHL level, but. There was some there's definitely some things that have improved in his game more than just his scoring ability. Like he's he's really improved overall as a player and I I just think he deserves a shot at the NHL as much as really almost any other prospect in the organization. I think Cole Lynn deserves it ahead of him maybe just because of what he's shown in his development over the parts of four seasons in Utica, but Gadjevich is like the next man up for me. I like I I've been banging the drum I think on Sven Berchi a lot over the past few months, but Right now, like, I, I think Gadjevich has kind of jumped him in that, and I think he would be the second forward that I would like to see uh, from Utica's starting roster earlier in the season. Like, Gad, like, Cole Lynn should go, and he should get his opportunity. I think he's going to have some success. Uh, but, but what Gadjevich is doing, I'd just love to see him go around and bang the body on a fourth line and, and see if he can go to the net and get some dirty goals like he's been doing all year in Utica, so... Just my little rant on, on Gajevic I think he should get an opportunity at some point this season If not, you know, he's going to come into next year And really try and earn a spot on this Canucks roster And I think if he's able to adjust his game To be an impact player on the fourth line Like, absolutely there's a spot for him In the lineup, if, he, if he's able to keep up to the NHL Speed, if he's able to still go to the dirty Areas and get those goals, and if he's still bigger And stronger than a lot of guys in the NHL Which I think he is, like this dude packed on a lot of weight and a lot—not just weight, but like a lot of muscle, a lot of different muscle than he had last year. And it's clear to see at the AHL level right now, and he's deserved a shot to get to get up to the NHL and see what he can do. So, I don't know, free Gadgevich, man. Let's let's see what he can do at the NHL level and, and get him up here in a fourth line role and do something for the Canucks. Free gadgevich, that's a great place to end this show on Chris, good episode buddy It's going to be
1: interesting to see what the Canucks do In their first back-to-back I'm not expecting much personally So we will, uh, we'll have to see what happens But to everybody listening, thank you so much A huge thank you once again from both Chris and myself To Kent Johnson, Burnaby Winter Club alumni For coming on the show And of course to all of our sponsors Thank you so much for listening to the Canucks Conversation